Billy got picked on at school for things he couldn't change. He tried his best to play it cool, but in the seventh grade, you either fit right in or you don't fit. That's just the cold hard truth. I wish that I'd have been the friend that Billy never knew. I think it's time to come together. You and I can make a change. Maybe we can make a difference, make the world a better place. Look around and love somebody. We've been hateful long enough. Let the good Lord reunite us to this country that He loves. Undivided. Yup. You either go to church or you're gonna go to hell Get a job and work or you're gonna go to jail I just kinda wish we didn't think like that Why's it gotta be all white or all black? And when we gonna learn to try on someone's shoes sometimes That's right When we gonna start to see from someone else's eyes I think it's time to come together You and I can make a change Maybe we can make a difference Make the world a better place Look around and love somebody We've been hateful long enough Let the good Lord reunite us To this country that we love Undivided Welcome back. Top of the second hour of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast this Friday, March 10th, 2023. And uh, again, joined by my special guest, Aman Jabi. Thanks, for, uh, thanks, Brian and Jenna, for making the arrangements. Thank you, Aman, for taking the time and uh, coming on the broadcast. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm enjoying the conversation. As am I. And so just to sort of backtrack a little bit for people who may be jumping in now um you've been you have a techno a technology background um you were co-founder of a couple of tech startups you um are in recent years shall we say the post-covid uh era covid post-covid era you're sort of a refugee of san francisco who fled to the hills of montana and have been doing some very interesting and provocative interviews uh, since then with uh, people like Maria Z, Buck Johnson, John B. Wells, Kate Dale, and um, some provocative titles of things. You know, the final lockdown, LED streetlights, smart cities, CBDC, digital ID, digital ID or digital prison uh, presentation. The Buck Johnson interview is titled our coming digital prison. These are very shocking titles. Or how about this one? Um, the Trojan horse of the digital panopticon. If you understand the terminology, I mean, we've, we've been hearing it on this network for a while. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been coming for a long time as we, most folks on that listen to this network know, but still, I think the way that you present the information and especially with your technology background and how it relates to the cameras and surveillance technology, I think you are what I would consider an unimpeachable witness on the subject. So I appreciate your uh, coming on and and, uh, being willing to share your knowledge. 
Thank you for having me. It's uh, important for me to, you know, sh- raise awareness and have the message uh, go across. And uh, those titles are all fun titles and give credit to all the interviewers because they pick the titles when they present the, you know, after editing or you know, most of them are unedited, but when they publish the interviews. So no credit goes to me. <laughs> So those interviews, obviously, people can find, and um, also people can find you on Twitter at No Flaps, and uh, also on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, and soon Patreon. Maybe very soon. That, yeah, the, my my interviews are all available, uh, especially on Facebook, and I'm putting the selected ones on YouTube. YouTube has already edited out and uh, banned two of them. Uh, so I'm going to move them to either Rumble or BitChute or both. Okay. Do you have any plans to maybe build your own site or anything like that? Uh, very likely. Uh, okay. But not in a, it'll be a few weeks. Right now my focus is on, um, and I don't want to digress if you don't want to go there yet, but my focus is on local action in the Flathead Valley area where I live. Mm-hmm. And so we have, uh, you know, a small movement and it's growing called free flathead because we want to live in a free area and a free flathead community. And so we are going to be having a website soon coming up there. And uh, there are people who are working hard to get the message across and we are building teams for local action. So uh, I would like to talk to you more about that off air if we could, um, just as a sort of mental note. Uh, But, also, that I think maybe gives us an opportunity to start here. Maybe we can start here and finish here at the end or something. But you have said it's not all doom and gloom. There are solutions. Before we dive back into the really scary details, do you want to talk about solutions maybe? Yeah, the solutions are not easy. And the solutions require a lot of knowledge and deep thought because you have to walk through the gloom and doom before you come to the realization that there are solutions and that there is a way out. Can I just interject something real quick too? Mm -hmm. So speaking of the conditioning, which you, you touched on, we talked about just for a moment, people don't realize how they're being conditioned. We've talked about the Google selfish ledger, on uh, this broadcast in particular and the and the network. Um, I think the selfish gene Richard Dawkins book was mentioned in the Verge article on Google's selfish ledger that was published back in 2018. And the Royal Society calls Richard Dawkins' selfish gene published back in 1976 the most influential science book of all time and i would call it a pseudoscience book that's a really shocking revelation and it i I think the reason why is because it it plays on what i would call the first deception from genesis uh chapter three and this idea that we will be as gods and uh it really it really speaks to the narcissistic element in all of us and people don't realize that's part of 
that's really a, a big part of how uh, the big tech is working and how it's built. I mean, just as a simple, quick illustration, you know, Sean Parker intimated how the dopamine feedback loop was being exploited all those years ago, and that's still on Axios for people who might need a reminder. Anyway, the point here is, like Sun Tzu said, if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. If you do not know your enemies nor yourself, you will be imperiled in every battle. And I have neighbors who I think they order like Uber Eats in Montana of all places uh, more than once a day. And if you don't understand how uh, you've been how how weakened and I would say even crippled in a sense you have become because of that convenience. Then you definitely don't know yourself and you probably don't know your enemy. And that makes the solutions all the more difficult. To your point about solutions are not easy. Right. Yeah. 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 That that that's basically living in a world which is a simulation. Right. We we, we all live in a simulation right now. I don't know how many people will understand that. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how, to what degree are you willing to make your life really, really uncomfortable to understand that? Yeah. And then you have to make your life even more uncomfortable to get out of that simulation. Right. So uh, it requires a lot of. Uh, I don't know what the word is. It requires. I will. I'll just use a slang call. It requires a lot of chops to be able to even kind of go there. Mm-hmm. But well, so it. I, I've been doing local town hall meetings in Big Four, and uh, the last one was in Kalispell two Saturdays ago. And you know we had a pretty good turnout of over a hundred people. So I have now started to. I've been hesitant for the last few months to talk about solutions because I still believe most people in the world are not ready for solutions. They do want to hear about the solutions because they think, oh, it's just a checklist. It's much more than that. Absolutely. Well, it, it's, it, it requires a lot of, uh, you know, deep digging into your own soul to be able to uh, confront the lies that you've been taught all your lives and then undo, you know, your decades of lies and rethink your world. Yeah. So, and how so will the, this... first, the most important thing I, I, I tell people is, is education. And for some people, the education will take months. Uh, for most, it might take several months or years. And for some, uh, for more than fifty percent, it'll never be the case because there's many ways to, you know, hide your head in the sand, not wanting to know, know the truth. Cognitive dissonance is the Absolutely. word. Absolutely. But really, the most important thing is knowledge. What is happening in the world today? Why is it happening? And even more importantly, how it came to be. And that's a multi-hour session discussion. Uh, The second is to understand your status as a U.S. citizen. And I'll just, it could be for Australian citizen or U.K. citizen, but really my historical perspective and research is on the United States Constitution and the U.S. citizen. So understand your status as a U.S. citizen. It's a 14th Amendment citizen. And uh, try and understand what is happening in the world today. Why is it pertinent and how it's legal and lawful? Despite the fact that you think it's tyrannical. 
So I won't yeah. go into the details there, but because it'll open up a can of worms, but uh, it's a really important gauntlet I'm throwing at your listeners. Absolutely. This audience Number is very three. familiar. Pardon me? This audience is very familiar with the distinction okay, between a United then, States... Then they'll resonate yeah. with what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So number three is rethink fiat currencies. Because today we live under the Federal Reserve Act, which was enacted or signed in 1913 and enacted in 1914. So we live in a debt slavery system. And uh, 99% of the United States dollar has been eradicated since 1913, December, since when the Federal Reserve Act was formed and they are coming for the last 1%. Well, they, they said that it was formed to regulate the value of the dollar. They just didn't tell the public the whole story. It was to regulate the value of, do- of the dollar to, to nothing. To, to go oblivion. to zero, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think one of the things, this is, this is the horror movie that's ahead for all of us, whether you are worth 100 million or 10 million, a million or 10,000. It doesn't matter because when the dollar goes to zero, even multimillionaires will be worthless. So... A financial crash is coming. We are at the last 1% of the debt slavery system. And we have to rethink how we trade, how we, what currencies we use, and whether we depend on this fake Federal Reserve Pyramid scheme. Well, Number four. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'll, I'll come back to it. Okay. Number four is is to undo the smart city infrastructure because it's the it's the it's what feeds the beast it what it's what collects the data which is going to be sending us into the new type of system which is based on your face recognition and digital id and that's what i call the identity slavery system so we are transitioning from a debt slavery system into an identity slavery system and most truthers that I see in the world, they are trying to fight the identity slavery system by staying in the debt slavery system. Right. And that's not the right answer. The debt slavery system also needs to be crashed if we want to build a better world. And the fifth thing, what I say is build local networks and societies based on voluntary cooperation. Because only in that kind of a society can I be virtuous and to be virtuous requires free space and to build free space and freedom requires courage, courage to think, courage to speak and courage to act. That's a lot to take in, like you said. And, um, couldn't agree more. I think maybe it might be helpful, among other things, to define terms uh, real quick. Voluntary is an interesting term. It makes me think, for example, of the interview Aaron Russo did with former IRS commissioner Sheldon Cohen in Aaron Russo's uh, documentary, America, Freedom to Fascism. And Sheldon Cohen is saying, oh, no, it's voluntary. You know, do you do you stop at a traffic light at 3 a.m. in the morning or whatever? Most people do. Most people do. And Aaron 
Aaron Russo is saying, uh, forgive me, Mr. Cohen, but I think you're being dishonest. You're, you know, he, he says in the documentary to, to say that something that is obviously compulsory is voluntary is a perversion of logic. And so we live in a world that basically coerces us to use the term voluntary for things that are really compulsory. And what you're talking about is genuinely voluntary. <laughs> Just to yes, make the distinction. Genuinely voluntary, but now that you bring up Aaron Russo's documentary that I've seen at least three times in the last seven or eight years, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's a very deceptive documentary. I don't know if you want to go there and open that can of worms. Sure. I, I haven't heard you do that on another interview, so maybe this would be a good time to do it. Yeah, it's uh, because... As we were, I think we were talking offline where I said untold truths are the hidden lies. Yes. So he's going and challenging the IRS, uh, you know, ex-IRS officers or whatever, and asking whether it's voluntary or not. But what is not being stated is what are the IRS codes? The IRS code 26.1-1, I think it is. It says, unless you can prove you're not a United States citizen or resident, the IRS codes basically apply to you, which means you tax can be imposed upon you. So there's a lot there. And this is related to your, your status as a 14th Amendment citizen, where you're property of the United States federal government. And as property, you have slavery status. So when you have slavery status, they can do whatever they want, whether they can tax you or, you know, jab you or make you get a driver's license or, you know, go through strip searches through TSA. So what about the inclusion of Joe Bannister? I think if memory serves, it's been a while since I've seen the whole thing, but isn't there a clip of Joe Bannister saying, you know, he's interviewed, I forget which news organization it was, but they said, you know, how have you gotten away with not paying your taxes and Joe Bannister, a former IRS agent, says, I've not gotten away with anything. <laughs> so Yeah, because he's not telling the whole truth. He's only telling partial truth. That means he's found a way to not be a fourteenth Amendment citizen. Yeah. It's but that's that a, is, that's a discussion for another another uh, talk. Uh, yeah. you know another show. Absolutely. Uh, we will table that for now. We're a couple minutes away, less than a couple minutes away from the next break. Um, we have sort of still on the table to discuss maybe smart cities, which, you know, dovetails and sprawls out in a variety of directions. I would say good for robots, bad for people is how I summarize smart cities, geofencing, um, SDGs, ESG, zero carbon footprint. Um, what has the largest carbon footprint? Uh, oh, yeah, that's people and breathing. Um, yeah, people and animals. We are, uh, I think, we are almost 20% carbon. So, yeah. If we get into a Hunger game society and I shoot you, I get my carbon credits up because there I'm you go. on you. 
We'll talk more about that when we come back, folks. Stick around. More right after this break with my special guest, Aman Jabi. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. For the past 14 years, it's been my privilege to host the National Intel Report on RBN, to offer a platform to interview exceptional guests, to provoke critical thought, and examine evidence, whether real, fake, or somewhere in between, and allow our audience to call in and participate with your input and questions in order to help us all reach an educated decision and arrive at our own truth. Our world has changed. It's now been turned on its head. Real is now considered fake and mainstream fake, is now pushed as real, rather, rather than, than any, any clear, clear thinking, thinking consensus, consensus, or rationale. Those few remaining beacons of light, the ones still shining through the mainstream media lies, propaganda, and deception, are being viciously attacked at every level through attempts at censorship, threatening advertisers, jailing hosts, and even killing journalists brave enough to speak the truth to you. We are in a war for our very freedom and existence, and through these despicable acts, freedom haters, collectivists, and communitarians have shown they will stop at nothing to blot out these last few beacons of light. Truth is becoming increasingly more difficult to unmask, just as the term unmasking itself is spoken by those usually anonymous sources. They promote their lies, wishing to mask the truths by ignoring it, vilifying it, or conspiratorializing it into a black hole abyss. Regrettably, RBN has reached reached the the tipping point, point, and through internal audit and actuarial review, it has now been determined that the only life raft of survival to this network is to go the way of PBS, that being audience-supported like a cornered animal, the left with veracity is pulling out all the stops with every effort to effectively blacken our beacon forever. Help us, folks. Help yourselves. Don't let our light stop shining. Our motto has always been, because you can handle the truth. It's time to review your budget, folks. If you want the truth to keep flowing through RBN, go to republicbroadcasting.org and become a regular monthly donor of 30, 40, 50, or 100 or more a month and ensure you keep the truth flowing. Okay, we're back. 
again, we are having a back channel discussion, and I am my curiosity has peaked now suddenly. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about. The special request. So again, my my special guest is Amon Jabi. If you're just joining us, and um, we gave a little bit of background and bio information. You can find them on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, maybe Patreon soon. And when that happens, support his work and help him. Maybe Rumble and uh, or BitShooter both soon, and maybe beyond. But um, uniquely qualified to speak on the subject matter that we're talking about. We haven't gotten to the the big C word yet, communitarianism. We'll do that shortly, but um I, you know, as is typical, the back channel stuff is as fascinating as anything and so you know, this is kind of a shorter segment. I feel like maybe we should talk a little bit more about what we were just discussing and if we can, maybe we can talk about that stuff. You don't think it's interesting. I don't think there's anything more interesting for a variety of reasons. So we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to you. But I mentioned in the uh, break one of the things, and I'm trying to make this somewhat unique in the sense that you know there are similar talking points in the things you know the interviews that you've done, and I hope that maybe we can shed some unique light on some stuff in this one one of the things that for whatever reason in the interviews that i've watched and listened to that you've given that keeps popping up in my mind is this idea of just understanding i mean to your point about solutions are not easy this is not there's no short or quick solution no quick fix uh I keep thinking about money and, you know, if you understand the forces that have uh, created trusts, for example, that have been around for at least 100, maybe 200 years in some cases, and what 7% a year looks like over 200 years, um, or if you are the Gates Foundation and you have an investment arm to your, you know, philanthropic nonprofit that just seems to get more profitable every year. People don't understand how deep the pockets are that are involved. And even though it's all funny money, um, they somehow, like cats, they always land on their feet and they always come out on top. So just to, to put it in perspective, what I'm talking about, uh, if you if you do the math and you have a million dollars in your pocket, say you spend a dollar a minute, you have a million dollars in your pocket, how long until you run out of money spending money a uh, dollar a minute and you – it's about a it's a little under two weeks. It's a week and four days and change. If you have a billion dollars, you don't run out of money until almost thirty two years. So there's a big difference in that one zero. And I think that puts things in perspective in terms of the patience and how long groups are prepared to wait. You're in Montana now, up in the Yak area. There are these little groups that keep buying up 10 acres here, 20 acres there. You've talked about the rewilding initiative. They're doing it piecemeal now, and people don't realize, like, where's the money coming from for that? And how are they tying up mining and timber in protracted lit litigation for decades? It takes money to do that. Do you have Ooh, any thoughts? Question. What specific well, question? Uh 
I mean, I have thoughts, but uh, it'll be uh, if if you lead with a question, it'll be easier for me to kind of meander through. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, if you have any thoughts on the that you'd like to share on the, um, you know, speaking of your point about solutions are not easy. How how deep the pockets are that are involved and. You know, so even at a local level, very, the pockets are very deep and the people are very few. Yeah. So we are getting a lot of uh, in Montana. I have heard uh, I, I worked at a company called GoPro that many people will be familiar with. I was there only for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my the CEO at the time, I believe he's bought a you know, lot of property in, and moved to Montana uh, from GoPro. Uh, there's another gentleman called Michael Gogan who's running Two Bear Capital. He came from Sequoia Capital in Silicon Valley, and I knew him at the time. I haven't met him in many years. And he's brought a large uh, fund to Montana. Montana is largely rural. It's been known to be a free state, uh, a very cold and largely unlivable state, but generally a free state. But uh, venture capital has come in here. Yeah, I've actually attended some uh, events that were hosted by his firm and the public relations people in his firm over the last year and a half. Uh, They're lovely people. And I was scratching my head. Why does so much money have to come into a place like Montana, which is not a tech savvy state? There aren't that many engineering students graduating from, you know, the few universities that are here compared to you know, uh, states like Massachusetts or um, or uh, California and Texas and so on and so forth. And I've been scratching my head and observing. And in parallel, I'm observing, ye- uh, you know, shows like Yellowstone on TV. So there's a reason why right. things are happening. And it's not happening organically. Right. It's not happening organically. What is happening is... There's a push to make Montana non-Montana. Right. Um, and it's happening through, you know, different vectors. One is through bringing tech here. It's very, mm-hmm. very kind of um, incongruent to Montana's spirit. Well, you know, television shows, it's very incongruent to Montana's spirit. But the you know beauty of Montana, despite the cold, brutal winters, uh, is bringing different types of people here. So it's uh it's fascinating stuff. Yellowstone is the most popular television show on television and streaming and stuff as far as I'm aware. I think it's the most popular. I think it allowed um what's his name? The writer. Um why can't I think of his name? I can see his Taylor uh Sheridan. It allowed him to buy the four sixes ranch for what couple two three hundred million dollars something like that so i guess business is good and the reason i mentioned that is uh you know you mentioned mike gogan i ca- i refer to him as batman i'm not fond of him and uh but i was born in montana so i think maybe the native montanan in me doesn't like the mike gogans of the world um, anyway, I've spoken about him on this broadcast, and I 
you know, sometimes refer to him as Pigpen because it seems like everywhere he goes, there's dirt. There was the case with the young lady, I forget her name, but uh, it was so um, salacious, I guess you might say in a sense that my understanding was Sequoia distanced themselves uh, from him and, you know, it was it seemed like it was pretty obvious what was going on in, in simple terms to recap for folks. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, allegedly there was a $40 million deal. I think that he made with her, this lady that apparently was trafficked, she said, and it sounds a lot like the, the Epstein stuff we've heard in recent years and some of the me too stuff. Um, and apparently it was a, I think a $40 million deal. He gave her 10 and then reneged on the rest and she probably, in my estimation, spent a lot of that in uh, on legal fees. And then when she ran out of money, all of a sudden, Judd rules that woman extorted Gogan happened, it seemed like. Because there was an article I read where it seemed like she was run out of money and the high-powered firm that she had uh, paid to represent her was no longer representing her, and then all of a sudden the case evaporated. Then there was a situation with the Whitefish police chief where, you know, funny things are going on. And I know that Gogan has his hands in just about everything in the Flathead. I actually attended the um, weird, I would call it like Fourth Industrial Revolution, transhumanist, presentation he gave at the flathead valley community college very creepy very strange and um so you know i think that guy being in like you said in that area is a head scratcher for most folks but when you when you talk about the pockets are deep and the people are few i think he's one of those people and um he represents you know deeper pockets and more nefarious interests in my opinion yeah, so the entire venture capital and private equity world is about pushing the four IR and the transhuman agenda. Mm-hmm. Most people there don't even know it. But they are paid really well as partners of these companies. And they are not trained to question. They're trained to focus on making the money for themselves and for the company. And that's what I was mentioning during our break. Mm-hmm. Is I believe that Two Bear Capital has come to Montana because Montana has a different kind of spirit than most other states in this country in order to normalize it to the same direction so that there is little friction when push comes to shove. Yeah. And as I can see now, push has come to shove. And not only is there little friction, there is none from Montanans. Yeah. Zero. Even after I have raised awareness in Flathead Valley now for over a year and a half, there is no resistance in any meaningful way than yeah. from a very few handful of people in Kalispell and Big Fork and stuff. So. Well, that I think needs to change, not just in Montana, but everywhere, especially in places that, you know, represent the 
shall we say, traditionally American way of life and the idea of rugged individualism and um, that we are, you know, all created equal, which this all sort of scratches at the edges of the communitarian discussion, uh, I think, that we haven't gotten into yet. So I'm getting a request to say and 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 uh, spell your name slowly, Aman, A-M-A-N, and Jabi. J-A-B-B-I is uh, your name for those who may not be familiar. I think most people are probably familiar. But um, just again to, while I'm on the subject, um, you're on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, probably Patreon pretty soon, and maybe Rumble and or BitChute and... uh, maybe beyond, but again, uh, A-M-A-N and last name, Jabi, J-A-B-B-I. The, uh, the guys who arranged the interview, actually, they they were asking me to do that. So there we go. Mission accomplished. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you guys are happy. Uh, just kidding. So, we have kind of a long segment now and some of the things that we haven't really fleshed out, you know, the smart cities, the geofencing, the sustainable development goals, the ESG stuff, zero carbon footprint and all of that uh, with the subject of communitarianism in mind, I guess. So do you want to try to unpack all of that? I can. Okay. I can try. Um, let's see where we left off. Okay. We talked about smart cities to an extent, and I just wanted to touch upon geofencing. Geofencing is a concept where, I mean, literally, it really means, you know, an invisible fence beyond which, you know, one cannot travel or go. Yeah. Right? So it's a geographical fence, so to speak. But it's connected to smart cities because smart cities are about locking people down into uh, these human concentration camps, which they're not going to ever say that in the newspaper or mainstream media. But geofencing is going to be related to your central banking digital currency and your digital ID and how. So let's say you want to fly to Paris they will compute a carbon footprint to fly to Paris. And if you don't have those carbon credits in your CBDC, you can't buy that ticket. You'll be geofenced into not flying. If you want to drive to, you know, San Francisco or Lake Tahoe, you can be geofenced and limited. Uh, the whole idea of electric cars is about geofencing. If you buy an electric car, a Tesla today, they can decide when they want to allow you to charge your car. It'll say, you know, clean. there's no clean electricity available in your area, so you cannot charge your car for the next 72 hours. That's Tim, Allen. Tim Allen actually but, talked about that at one point. I know particularly he has said, you know, the Tesla that I have, because he's one of the car collectors, he says, 
this is an interesting car. Sometimes I it won't let me get in and it won't start. Right. I ha- I saw a friend of mine uh, in Kansas City sent me a a screenshot of his phone, clean energy charging of his iPhone. In your region, iPhone will try to selectively charge yeah. when lower carbon emission electricity is available. Isn't that one of the issues with the latest uh, version, uh, the latest update, I think? People are talking about that. Yeah, because they've introduced that now. Yeah. So it's about geofencing you in so many ways. It's it's not only a literal word, it's a metaphoric word, right? Yeah. So how far you can walk, that can be geofenced. And the, your prison guards will be autonomous drones, uh, you know, laser lights or LED lights. And a whole lot of uh, weaponized infrastructure can limit how far you can walk or where you can go. Yeah. This is serious they've business. Yeah, they've introduced 15-minute cities in Oxford and many other places around the world. And uh, unfortunately, they're not unfortunately, like in a deceitful manner, they're trying to pitch 15-minute cities as something that is coming from policy and government. But in reality, it's going to be through technology. So it's a red herring again so that people don't fight their battles against the infrastructure. They're all fighting the battles against city council. Yeah. Which is completely, you know, the wrong place to be looking at. And then, of course, your 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 CBDC, which has smart contracts that can be shut off where Big Brother doesn't want you to go. That's another form of geofencing. And then in the metaverse, who you can speak to, text, what music you can listen to, what books you can read, who you can email, that can be geofenced. And at the heart of this geofencing is your digital identity by virtue of your facial recognition. And it's yeah. all about access control through zero trust cybersecurity. So I hope that ties up the whole smart city and limitations of human access to things. I think so. Um, there was a, what was it? Oh, gosh. Iron Magazine article recently. The battery that never gets flat. Um, I don't recall. I haven't uh, read that. January 19 of this year. Uh, I'll send it to you. Fiona Dunleavy, the battery that never gets flat. Your body generates enough power, uh, enough energy to power wearables, medical sensors, and implanted devices, and uh, tech designers are plugging in. Literally, like vampires, I would say. But, you know, I, I when I mentioned this article earlier this year, I said, I thought we saw this movie. Uh, it came out in 1999 called The Matrix, where, you know, people are in pods powering things. Speaking yeah. of the metaverse and this article, isn't that The Matrix? Anyway, being slightly facetious, but not really. Um, can you Can you explain a little bit the concept of 15-minute cities, please? Yeah, the goal is, uh, you know, they've been talking about 15-minute cities and 20-minute uh, neighborhoods. The goal is to uh, push human beings into high-density zones with high-rise buildings and, you know, what I call is pack-and-stack 
Yep. There's also terminologies. I think it's called transit-oriented development. So there's a. And if you look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's a uh, you know friend of mine in Tulsa. She's a professor. She's doing a lot of work on uh, smart cities and transit-oriented development in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So people yeah. can find her on uh, various you know YouTube or other channels. She makes some very interesting presentations on how philanthropic foundations, including Bloomberg and Kaiser Foundation, are pushing all the smart cities inside Tulsa and Oklahoma. But fundamentally, the thing is that they want to limit human beings in concentration camps, which are smart cities. And so where you live, you don't need to walk or bike or use an electric scooter more than 15 or 20 minutes to access your hospital, your schools, your shopping, your dry cleaners or whatever. So they want to keep people in these kinds of, you know, localized zones. And it's going to be in the name of global warming and sustainability and climate action. So if I could sort of, absolutely, if I could just mm, encapsulate this quickly, like the things that you've talked about in a practical sense, you live in the Flathead Valley area. We talked about Mike Gogan a little bit. You said... Um, not speaking of him specifically or directly, but you know, you you said um, the pockets are deep and the people are few. There, there is a transition, and you mentioned you know the possibility that um, Two Bear Capital has been brought in, and you know, I mean, they he owns a. Speaking of Yellowstone, I mean, there's a big farm uh, up in the Whitefish area that he owns and stuff, ranch type thing, and. I think that's called Two Bear something too, Two Bear Ranch or something like that. Anyway, um, as I said, with the the money, a million versus a billion. You know, if you spend a dollar a minute, uh, you run out of a million dollars in just under two weeks. If you have a billion dollars, one more, well, a couple more zeros, a few more zeros. Um, one more comma is what I meant. I think. You don't run out of money for about 32 years. Now, if you look at the the, the recent um, development push in the Flathead Valley area, it's very smart growth. It's very um, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, SDG kind of stuff. It's very um, multi-use where you can, you know, like Foxconn, uh, iPhone City. You know, you can live upstairs and work downstairs in the same prison. It's very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so if you think in terms of a billion dollars and these little developments, you know, like the, the local community says three, five million dollars. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money. And to someone with another comma, that's nothing. So to bring this full circle and to put it in perspective as far as like how long this has been going on, here's an article that uh, the late, great Derry Brownfield wrote back in 2002, April 5, 2002. People can find it over at newswithviews.com. Smart growth people per acre. And I remember when he was talking about this. So it says the following figures have been taken from the Sierra Club website, Sierra Club notorious obviously this page no longer exists whatever it says for example minnesota's twin cities density is 1800 uh people per square mile but with smart smart growth it should be 3000 people per square mile and he goes on 
Um, you know, LA is 5,600 people. The goal, you know, is somewhere in the neighborhood of Manhattan, you know, where you have uh, several thousand, tens of thousands of people per square mile, stack and pack, like you said. And right. this has been going on for a long, long time. Right. So, um, They've started. They've started this in Flathead Valley to a, at a smaller scale because we don't have that much of a population there. Yeah. But if you notice what's happening in Kalispell, the kinds of monstrosities that are coming up in terms of townhouses and developments. Yeah. And uh, they've littered downtown several blocks, including the main street, with these horrible LED lights, which are yeah. extremely, uh, you know, extremely powerful, and they hurt your eyes. And they serve an agenda. They're part of the smart city infrastructure of the all-seeing eye. And uh, it's not inconceivable that they're going to try and push uh, people into whitefish and uh, Kalispell as the years go by, by, you know, by destroying the ability for people to live in the rural areas in Flathead Valley. Yeah. it's. Com I mean, that is the plan. Now, yeah. the question is, are the residents of Flattered Valley going to be smart enough and courageous enough to say no? And they can simply say no by undoing the smart city infrastructure, you know, by virtue of just having unity and numbers. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. The, the answers are out there, but we need numbers and we need well, courage. I think, you know, again, getting back to your points, I've made very similar points on this broadcast. It's not. I would say it's maybe simple but not easy, as the cliche goes. Um, and what I mean by that is I've joked, you know, I, I, I sort of joked about running for mayor in Libby, Montana, the town I was born in. And um, I said if I ran for mayor, not that I would necessarily even want to get elected, but to raise awareness, I would say – Probably one of the first things I would say and maybe the kind of cent centerpiece, the central plank of my platform would be something like, okay, we have this issue of inflation that the funny money system creates. If you're not familiar, go learn about that. But here's the here's the problem. We have these services that we say we want and we agree as a community these are the things that are important like you know, sh uh, plowing the streets in the winter and things like that obviously – so we all agree on that. Now, we raise a certain amount of taxes to pay for those services this year. Inflation dictates next year those services will effectively cost more, and the purchasing power of, of the units that everyone has will purchase less. So you have this widening disparity. How will we address that community? And the problem is that, like you've said, you know, the grants are bribery. And everybody goes looking for some kind of grant, federal grant, other grant. And, you know, we're dealing with real issues at local levels that the inflation, the Ponzi scheme uh, creates. And so do you have any thoughts as far as, you know. Very simple. It's yeah. very simple. A core, core group of people come together, raise awareness with a critical mass who are fully aligned and then you figure out at a local level how you want to live. Yeah. 
it's not going to be easy you're not going to be able to buy your goodies and toys because if you decide to find an alternate currency at a local level you know which may be gold silver dirty silver or tied to those it's not going to be easy but it can be done because think- if you can create value and others can create value then value can be exchanged voluntarily and you can find a medium for that exchange yeah. it's not that hard i think maybe this is an interesting point to sort of insert the communitarian term there are you know you say that there isn't much resistance i would say montana is one of the places like some you know maybe many places across the heartland of america where people just want to be left alone and um they don't want to interfere in each other's business but the communitarian bent basically says that um the individual is nothing uh, apart from the group or the collective and the individual only exists as part of the collective which is i would say an inversion of reality but the point here is that um when when you have been conditioned and socially engineered to view things in terms of that psyop then you can you can feel it people sense that you know when an individual at a town hall meeting or whatever is speaking and they voice an opinion that differs from the whatever is the perceived consensus then suddenly that person becomes a pariah and people recoil naturally but one of the points you've made is basically a majority of two you know if you have two people then all of a sudden uh you know people seem to take that seriously because of the way that they have been socially engineered to value a group over an individual there has been a lot of programming but it's more communitarianism is more than that and yeah what I, what i'm going to do is kind of uh be a little i'll i'll yank the conversation away to a different topic in order to highlight communitarianism mm-hmm. from a different perspective so allow me please uh i don't know how many people in your audience right now know about esg i suspect many do and for those who don't Uh, ESG is stands for environmental social and governance and this ESG agenda or ESG score is something that is relatively new in the last few quarters it has become official and it is a score that is being attached to publicly traded corporations and even private corporations that are not publicly traded and even government bodies because they are incorporated most of them and so there's an esg score that is being applied to all and what does esg score really mean the environmental component means that corporations and governments that are corporations they have to be environmentally friendly in accordance to and aligned with the sustainable development goals of the united nations charter 
So what does that mean? That means they need to be interacting with and aligning with suppliers who are also ESG aligned. Their customers need to be ESG aligned and so do their employees. So they can be monitoring their employees' driving habits or their eating habits, you know, their consumption habits. So the corporations will be able to dictate how their employees behave because if their employees don't behave well and they don't uh, confront their employees to change their behavior, their ESG scores comes down. So the employees, if they want to keep their jobs, they have to start to behave in a certain way that is aligned with the ESG agenda and that is being enforced by the corporations that they work for. And like you said, too. like you said in a f- slightly facetious way, but you know, it's horrifying, you know, how closely things are going that way in a hunger games sort of world. If you shoot me, then your ESG score goes up. Exactly. Exactly. So if, for instance, if I have a supplier who's not environmentally friendly or is not adhering to the ESG agenda, if I fire that supplier, my ESG score goes up. Yeah. If I advertise to my customers about my automobile being electric and ESG friendly, my ESG score goes up. If me as the employee buy an electric car and come to work, my ESG score within the corporation and therefore the corporation's ESG score goes up. So this is like a snitch society that's being built, but enforced by corporations, Mm -hmm. right? So what is the social component? Let's talk about the social component. That's as vicious. The social components has a, it has a, Every company now has a DEI report, which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusivity. So, and that's a social component. And so they've been pushing narratives about social justice, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, criminal justice reform, and a whole lot of other mumbo jumbos in the last few years. And... Now it's crystal clear why it is, because they can now control society based on any arbitrary social vector that they want to introduce and make corporations enforce that. So if if I'm a corporation, if I'm, say, Mercedes-Benz and I have my advertisement and I say I am contributing to Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ, you know, whatever... My ESG score goes up. If I have a board of six white men, you know, board of directors, and I throw out one white man and replace them by a black man, that my ESG score goes up. If I replace it by two black women, it goes up even more. Better yet, a black trans woman from born in Africa, it'll shoot up skyrocket. So what's happening here? Stakeholder control... Stakeholder control via corporations is happening through private corporations in order to enforce behavior for employees, consumers, suppliers, customers. Yeah, we are, and so we are at the end I call of the broadcast. Compliance via corporations is really what I call corporate communitarianism. 
above 75% and qualifies for the Woods and we tax credit. hopefully we got that squeezed in we are at the end of the broadcast I appreciate it sir we are actually in the break yeah you can also thank you for having me soapstone don't ever you're welcome I don't are we still on the air Julia or are we off all you have to worry about is okay well thank you Amon we're still on Thank the air. So this is having me. Uh, the Republic Broadcasting Network. <laughs>